The scripture reading this morning is Exodus 16, verses 1 through 15, which you can find in page, on page 55 in the Bible. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam and Israel, came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam, Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, would you have brought us in out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger? Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day, the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. And that way, I will test them, whether they will follow my instructions or not. On the sixth day, when, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gathered the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening, you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning, you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For, for what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and you're full of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard you heard the complaining that you uttered against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites. They looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread, and then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of the dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? But they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. God, as we come to <clears throat> your word this day and this time of reflecting upon your word, kind of empty us out and open us up. Uh, help us to maybe hear a good word in a new way, to hear how it applies to our lives and to the life of this world, just to listen and um, be open to the possibilities of wisdom and transformation for ourselves, for this community, and for all your creation. Amen. So from that text, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died by the Lord's hands in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat 
and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Some days I'm sure that I have about the best job in the world because I actually am expected to write and to speak, to communicate for a living, to preach and to teach, which still after almost 30 years, I look forward to every Sunday. I think it's because I so love language and words. I'm always excited to better understand and explore language especially languages that are not my own. Because so often these foreign tongues contain words and phrases and ideas that capture so much better than in English a feeling or a truth or a reality about being human. When I was on a visit to Japan, I asked my friend Greg what the hardest part of his job for General Electric was in that place. And he said it was the fact that the Japanese really have no direct way in their language of saying no, of saying no, when asked to do something that they cannot or do not want to do. Saving face, never embarrassing or putting on the spot another person is central to Japanese culture. So when Greg would ask one of his employees to carry out a request, even if the real answer was no, they'd instead reply, Well, Greg, that would be very difficult. That would be very difficult. Language is nuanced. When I was in Mexico for a habitat trip, I kept mixing up two very different words to my great embarrassment. Punta, which means tip or gratuity, and puta, which means prostitute. (laughs) So you don't want to be in a Mexican restaurant with me. Language is precise. One of my favorite languages is Yiddish. It's a mixture of Hebrew and Eastern European dialects spoken by Jews as informal speech. So many Yiddish words have found their way into common usage. Chutzpah, meaning gall. Glitch, meaning mistake. Bagel, self-explanatory. And one of my favorites, kvetch. Kvetch. Do you know that word? Kvetch is both a noun and a verb. It means to complain or to be the one who complains, as in, is that guy a kvetch or what? All he does all day is kvetch. Language is colorful. For at its best, it reflects reality. It allows us to really capture a mood or a truth, what we do and who we are. And it reminds me this day, as we look at that passage and hear about all those complaints of the Israelites, who doesn't really like a good kvetch every once in a while, right? Kvetch about the weather, about drivers on the road and traffic, kvetch about our ill health or our inept politicians, kvetch about the Red Sox or the Patriots, about how things aren't like they used to be about all those darn smartphones everywhere, which we say while secretly wondering if we've gotten a text message lately. Kvetch, the sermon was too long, the hymn was impossible to sing, or we ran out of donut holes at coffee hour. Kvetch, to complain, 
the most human of things to do, to express frustration or anger or hurt or disappointment or criticism or even sadness at the state of life, personal, global, or both. When I first looked at the biblical text for today, an old story about human complaints and complaining against God and human leadership, I had planned to talk about complaining in a negative way, to complain about complaining. Because our first impulse is to often judge complaining as bad, right? As negative. Especially when we are on the receiving end of it, or we see it in the culture. Our kids complain about what's for supper when you've worked hard to make a good meal. The boss complains about a project after you, after you put in so much overtime. Your spouse complains about his or her day, and all you want to do is tune it out. And the culture, it is filled to the brim with kvetching. Turn on any TV news show or read some of the comments on Facebook or listen to talk radio, and it can feel like everyone is complaining. But friends, sometimes we need to complain. We even have to complain to survive, to let it out, to let others know that we are struggling or that we need help, that our heart is breaking about events in the world. A cancer patient comes home after chemo, and they need someone to listen to just how awful they feel. A teenager is bullied and needs someone to listen as they lament that pain. We hear the latest news about an earthquake or a storm or a global spat about nuclear war, and we need to react, to protest, to express how afraid we are or angry or even despairing. Friends, complaining is complicated like most human behaviors, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but normal. You can't really be human without kvetching every once in a while. So here are the Hebrews in this passage from Exodus. The time is 1400 BCE or so, and just six weeks earlier in the passage, Moses triumphantly led that tribe out of Egypt as God parted the Red Sea to clear a path to freedom from the cruel and violent slavery that they had endured for 200 years. You might think they'd be happy, but they complained. They were running out of food. They were hungry. They were feeling lost. They were sure that they were going to die in that stinking desert, and so they kvetched to Moses, to God. If only we died in Egypt. At least there we had enough to eat. We had cable TV, and there's no cell phone service here. Seriously, they were in a complaining mood. The verb our translation uses is grumbled. The King James, I love the word it uses, murmuring. But no matter how we name it, those Hebrews and those people of God, they were kvetches, kvetchen. So do we judge them as ingrates for the sin of forgetting what God had already done for them, their seeming lack of faith, or should we judge them as justified in their protestations? They were, after all, on the brink of starvation. 
Complaining is a mixed bag, sometimes spiritually deflating and depressing, but also at times complaining is spiritually necessary and natural. There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations, right in the center of the Bible. It is five chapters of wailing and gnashing of teeth and prayerful pleas, all directed to God. You and I, my friends, we cannot live without complaint. We cannot live complaint-free lives, nor should we expect that from others. But when we do complain, I also believe that we can do it well, that we can complain faithfully and thoughtfully and constructively, that we can add to the goodness of life and community, or we can complain badly or destructively, use complaining as a way to tear things down, and with our grumbling, make no one any better, maybe even worse off. So as one of God's kvetchers, kvetching, I'm going to offer a few thoughts on what I would call godly complaining, or good complaining, and negative complaining. And if you don't like what I say, please let me know. Complain. So when is complaining toxic? unhealthy. I think complaints born of self-righteousness, as in, can you believe how those other people live or act? Thank God I am not like them. Them. And that's whoever is pushing our buttons at a given moment. The rude guy in traffic, a sullen teenager, an annoying relative. Whom do you regularly complain about? This kind of grumbling dismisses others and lacks mercy, forgets that we could be in their place, that we might be them. Or there's complaining about something, but then not offering a solution. You know that kind of complaint? It's very common. I know I do this far too often. Can't someone do something about and then fill in the blank? Friends, it's always easier to name a problem than actually also offer and be a part of fixing the problem. Or sometimes complaining is kind of a downward spiral, chronic complaining, that makes us feel even worse than what we are complaining about. Have you ever caught yourself in a complaining loop? Thus caught in that negativity, it colors everything else in your life. It makes you feel bad. It makes everything feel bad. Good complaining, I think the best complaining allows us to vent, to name how much we are hurting or are in need of someone to help us. In some ways, the Hebrews were right to grumble. They were sure that they were going to die, that they might never get out of the desert, and they do the only thing that they can do in that moment, complain, ask for help. Friends, sometimes complaining is a cry for help. Do you hear that? So when we hear it, we need to look behind it and ask what's really going on. Good complaining actually can tie folks together. It makes us realize that we are all in the same boat, that we are bound as one. Have you ever stood in a long line with a lot of other people and you're all complaining about how long the line is? 
And then you're kind of like, hey, I like hanging out with these people who are all complaining together. It's just, it's an interesting kind of thing that happens. Or if you go through some, like, communal disaster, we're in the midst of this bad thing, but we're in it together. It's interesting to note that in the passage that we heard, the author of Exodus refers to the Hebrews as a community, a community. And that's the first time that word is used in the Old Testament. So think about that. They may be complaining, but at least they are together. Good complaining is often the first step in making things better. You think of an addict who complains about the state of their life, and then they finally realize that they have to change with God's help. Or think of those who protest in support of the environment or peace or equality. Every major positive social movement in the world has always begun with complaint. So the next time you find yourself complaining, here's a challenge. Stop and think and pray about it. Is this complaining building things up or tearing things down? Is my complaint making things better or making things worse? Is this kvetch part of the problem or part of the solution? As I complain, am I making the community whole and seeking unity Or is this complaint muddying the waters and separating us? Because God knows to be human is just to complain at times, to kvetch. We all do it. The Hebrews, you and me and everyone. So let's complain, but well. And in faith. And in hope for a better world. Let all God's kvetchers say, Amen. Amen.